Welcome along to season eight of the Make Life Work podcast. I am Cy Jobling, side project hustler for over two decades, whilst being a father of two and full-time engineering manager. This podcast is all about finding a balance between life, work, and any side projects. So I invite along people from around tech to talk about some of the projects they've delivered and the techniques they might use to do so. This week, I've invited along old friend Andy Yates, senior iOS engineer at Buffer, living in the Bay Area of California, USA. Andy and I go way back to the mid-noughties when we met through the Birmingham Web community. He has always been a fan of side projects, scratching an itch to solve a personal problem and learn new tech in the process. Over recent years, he's taken on a shared project with me, f1calendar.com, and it's continued to be super successful. With that in mind, I thought it would be great to have a chat with him about the project, a couple of the others that he's working on, and how he fits it around his job. This is Making F1 Calendar with Andy Yates. So welcome along, Andy. How are you? I'm good. Waking up, got my coffee, ready to go. Um, Yeah. You're the second person on this series to say that, and I'm winding (laughs) down, ready for a beer. Nice. I I would do that, but um, yeah, let's not. It's a bit dangerous. Not even, nine, not even nine o'clock yet. So, oh, so you're, whereabouts are you for the listeners? Uh, just north of San Francisco. Um, Got it. Yeah. And how long have you been out there now? Um, on and off since 2012. Um, so I moved out here properly in like 2013 and had various visas on and off. So, yeah, came back for a few months here and there. But, yeah, for the most part, been here since 2012, 2013. Ten years this year, man. Yeah, it's gone quickly, really quickly. Yeah. So for the benefit of the listeners, because I know you pretty well now, as I mentioned in the intro, um, what is it you do? And can you talk about how you got to that position as well? Yeah, so um, I'm senior iOS engineer at Buffer, um, just working on the iPad, iPhone app. And more recently, I've been picking up some marketing projects, folks on the website, so helping out there. Uh, with the engineering team and then yeah i guess first job was back in birmingham at 383 building like wordpress sites built a few iphone apps for a few clients like birmingham council mailbox chevrolet um kind of caught the bug there and would start building them as side projects and kind of got to know joel who's the founder of buffer and then yeah we'd work on side projects in coffee shops around birmingham urban coffee yorks etc and yeah a few months after they left for san francisco i got an email was like do you want to work freelance did that for probably a good six months or so and then yeah i guess like six months after that they reached out again and was like do you want to go full time and yeah i kind of leaped into that and then i've pretty much done ios development ever since with very little web uh, but more so recently but we'll get onto that Interesting. So how long have you been at a buffer now? Then you say in 2014? So uh, officially, I think I've done 10 years with the company officially. And then I think I've, I'm just about to hit like 11 in the code base. I think I started wow. in the code base in like June um, 2011. Yeah. You can go then. back and maybe in GitHub repos and just see where your first there's there's still a few lines of code that exist in the app that remind me of like how long it's been like there's a literal a date in there that says 2011 um and that that file has not been touched ever since so you don't want to touch it after 10 years 
yeah, it's basically the main route into the app. So um, wow. it's just like boilerplate, but it's never going to change probably. But it works. Why change it? Yeah. 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 Appreciate it. And going back to your earlier days at 383, we think it's where we met. What got you into tech in the first place? What, what kind of made you interested in this stuff? Um, it's a good one. I don't don't really know how I fell into it. I was a lot, like when I was younger, I didn't really do that great at school. Like I would mostly not attend school and I'd be at home just working on like HTML and CSS, like templates for people on various forums. Yeah, I think I got into it just like dabbling around in like front page and stuff before we even got to it as like a topic at school. Um, prior, even prior to that, maybe even in Word, which is like <laughs> dreadful. Um, but yeah, I picked it up um, working on templates for people. Uh, even like the CEO of uh, or founder of Gumroad, I think I ended up doing templates for him like way, okay. way back before he was even like thinking of Gumroad. Uh, which I discovered very, like, recently. Um, yeah, and then I just kind of caught the bug and then started looking for jobs after school rather than looking down the traditional, like, college, university path. Just went straight into agency work by the sound of it. Yeah, so I, I like, dabbled in, um, like, doing support for a CMS called E107 um, and then kind of right. went remember that. down into, like, WordPress um, I was doing themes for E107 for years and I would do things called like E107 Advent where I would like release a theme every day, which was intense because that's a lot of work. And I'm not a designer, so I was just like throwing out these themes that people probably still use, which scares me. But totally. um, yeah. Just changing a few colors and fonts and that kind of the template. Oh, yeah, like I'd have like one day where it's like a blue version of a theme and then the next day, just to make it easy for myself, I would have changed the colors. Um, but I classed it as like a, a new release. So Why not? Um, it's, a, yeah. it's a patch. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's still sites out there that I kind of dabbled, like like working on back then. Um, like there's a car owners forum that I helped like rebuild and they've like obviously upgraded and rebranded a little bit but like the logo that i commissioned for that project still exists and it's kind of mad do you love it when you see these things you created so long ago and they still exist yeah. i mean I, back then i was still in school so it's been like a real long time for that one but um yeah <laughs> that's amazing it's just lovely to hear that you didn't necessarily go through the educational route into tech it was just more like no bit of a hobbyist at home straight into agency work and now loving it in cali yeah yeah a lot of it is always like i've always done like learning it by doing it so i most of the things i pick up are on github just finding other examples and picking it apart figuring out how it works and then like pulling it back together fair play and that might blend into what we're going to talk about shortly around f1 but just to fast forward now into the career at buffer you've been there for like 10 years now I know they've always had this fully remote culture. Obviously, you and Joel come from Birmingham, and then you're kind of networked from, but you're based there. Now you're over in the States, but you've got teams completely separated around the world. How does that work for you guys? And has lockdown and the pandemic affected you at all? Um, we had quite a few people that would go to, like, uh, co-working spots. And, in fact, I still have my co-working spot in San Francisco, but I haven't right. been there properly for... I mean, this year I've been there probably like three times 
uh, well, this year, I mean, 20, 2021, not 2022. Um, so yeah. So towards the end of last year, I ended up going a couple of times to meet up with a few people, but yeah, I think most, for the most part, everybody's kind of left their co-working spot and they're working at home. There's a few people that are maybe just starting to return to co-working. I've got like the mail for buffer arrives at my co-working spot. So I pop in every now and again, and go and collect that. Um, usually it's a big pile and it's all just junk mail. Spam. Yeah. And then, yeah, prior to the pandemic, I guess I would go to the co-working spot between like eight, nine o'clock to about one o'clock, come back, let the dogs out. And then I'd like finish up my day there. But just before the pandemic, me and my fiance moved north of San Francisco by like an hour drive. Um, right which was good timing because now we have like more space and we've got spare like two extra bedrooms that we've turned into offices and we've got a garden. So it kind of, the timing worked out well for us that we've got like extra room to like move into and have our own areas to work from. So Perfect timing then basically you just got out. Yeah. I can't imagine being in an apartment block in San Francisco that are always really small to begin with, but then also having to deal with like avoiding people to go and get groceries and things like that. Yeah. Like that would have been tricky. It sounds like you're, you're doing well considering how difficult it could have been. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. Like the fact that we've got space to move around, we can go to the garden, we can work mm. out there. We've got more decent Wi-Fi. Like, yeah. Um, it's really easy to avoid seeing people for weeks on end if we really want to. And it being the Bay Area, we've got so many apps for things like groceries and food deliveries and stuff like that. Like, sure, it's it's easy to keep to yourself. Keep it going. Perfect. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to touch on really was around the time zone differences, because I know like you've, you've got these sort of um, separated teams or engineers and people all around the globe. How do you make that work with Buffer? Because I've always been curious of the model. Yeah. It's a tricky one for sure. Um, even trick like recently, we've been having a challenge trying to organise. So the mobile team above us called the Apps team, so it gives us mm -hmm. a bit more broader range. Um, so we also work on the browser extension and stuff like that. And we have people in the UK. We have someone in India. Um, and then yeah, like we're kind of all spread out, and we're kind of at the extreme ends of the time zones. So, yeah, we've been, like, trying to figure out a decent time for a meeting. And so um, we tried doing that 7 o'clock my time, right. which is kind of a super early one for me. I'm not a good morning person. Um, yep. And then we've got, yeah, Fatik in India, who's fortunately willing to, like, stay up a little later um, and, like, jump on a call. Right. Um, and, yeah, we kind of have to, like, there's, like, that give and take and we were trialing it like every two weeks. And then it was like, oh, that's quite not really enough. Bearing in mind, we haven't had retreats and we've not had like meetups in person. Mm. So all that face-to-face -face time is lost. So, yeah, we've kind of, people just have to like sacrifice a little bit to make it work. Um, there was other teams at Buffer that are all in one time zone and that's great. And then, yeah, there's the other like side of that where we also have teams that kind of do a like APAC meet, like sync up, and then they'll do another um, in like the US times. Okay. Um, and then there's a couple of 
basically each team has their own like way of solving this like solving the issue um there's a few that also just do like written notes at the end of their day they'll like write up what they've done and they sync up that way and then they will just like schedule a less frequent meeting got it yeah there's no perfect solution i don't think there's always something that's off um totally from my previous gig when i was well first it was a case of apac guys getting things moving like you say, you do end of day notes, hand over to the European guys, maybe a few meetings if you can do that time difference. And then again, Europe would do handover notes for the States for end of day. And it would just go all around the globe like that. But it wasn't streamlined, let's say. It was just, this is the yeah, best we can do. It's definitely challenging, challenging in that you end up with like your whole week is taken up by meetings scattered around, which means you don't really have that much focus time. That's I've been fortunate enough to like, get most of my meetings on Tuesdays and then I right more recently I have a couple that are dotting around the week so I'm kind of getting used to that as I start the the year sure. so yeah okay so no silver bullet on this just curious sadly not yeah we things. haven't we haven't found it yet or at least That's I right. haven't so well Buffer are good at innovating and doing some kind of forward-thinking stuff so we'll just watch what you do on your blog and copy that <laughs> We'll hopefully come up with something. We've definitely like looked at like we've had people in the team build tools to like help solve issues like figuring out the time zones, like how Google Calendar shows you the offset of time zones, like when somebody's available in the day. Um, like he had built like that before it was a thing, but then it never really went anywhere aside from being used internally. Um, so yeah, there's definitely people in the team that are kind of thinking about solving some of these things. Awesome. Right. On the topic of time zones and calendars, this is a great segue, by the way. Seamless. Nice. Um, let's talk about the F1 calendar. So this is a project we've both worked on over time. Uh, and that goes right back to, I think, 2011, maybe a push. And you've inherited it. So let's talk about what that what it was all about, what, what, what it came about and, you know, a bit of the background. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't actually know when it started. I should have looked at Wayback Machine and see how long <laughs> ago it existed. Um, but, yeah, I'd used F1 Calendar for quite a few years. Kind of got into F1 at 383. Um, right. We had, like, a fantasy F1 league one year. And, yeah, I can't remember whether I won that. But, yeah, I was, like, the, the amateur coming into it, like, not knowing anything <laughs> about F1, just picking names out on the team and then uh yeah i think after the 2019 season i want to say is when you and andy put up a note saying you were thinking of passing the torch on to someone else um and back then i didn't really do any web work really like i had a couple of side project sites but they're all done using like squarespace and wordpress and nothing too crazy sure. and yeah i just shared my interest with you and andy that I'd like be willing to like take a look at taking it over. And I think you mm -hmm. got back to me about like open sourcing it. And there was one other condition. I can't remember what it was holding onto the domains. I think it was possibly. Yeah. And then, yeah, we, uh, you basically went from there. And just for visibility with everyone, it's f1calendar.com. And this was basically a calendar service, which you could subscribe to with all the formula one race times, practice times, qualifying times. Um, and it's pretty successful over years. Um, 
can't remember the numbers, but they went crazy, right? Yeah, so I think, um, yeah, 2019, I picked out the email. Um, I think you shared that there was 843,000 uh, users. Yeah. And then last year, I think we were just shy of 2 million. So it's kind of, yeah, kind of gone a bit wild. Looking at the graph, it's just every every time there's a race weekend, the graph just goes crazy for the weekend, and then it yeah. dies off again to nearly nothing. And then the next weekend comes along and same happens again. Which is bonkers, really, right? Because the idea of the service is you subscribe to a calendar feed into your local apps or devices. You shouldn't have to go back. But the fact that people are continually coming back to this website to find the race time says it still works really well. I mean, I feel like people use it the same way I do. I don't subscribe to the calendar. I just go to f1calendar.com every time I, oh, is there a race this weekend? And even I go to the site. Um, like my fiance will ask me, he's like, oh, is there a race next week? And I'm like, I have no idea. Let's take a look. Um, so, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people use it that way. And, yeah, the calendars are kind of a nice to have that I think most people use. Yeah. And I'm going back over my time with it as well. It was amazing meeting people randomly. So, oh, yeah, I've used that F1 calendar before. I didn't realize it was yours. It's not not technically mine, but I've certainly helped the project grow. But just to see continuous growth over the, you know, the last 10 years proves there's a niche. Yeah, and I think the the F1 site doesn't do a hugely great job, but given the times out, they also make it very hard to, like, get the times to put it in the calendar in the first place. But yeah, I definitely have been in various like Slack communities and the F1 Reddit and I've shared F1 calendar and people always like, Oh, I like love this site. Um, I use it every week. And yeah. And even like the F1 Reddit links to it in like their like weekly posts before a race, <laughs> um, which is probably another source of good traffic to the site, which is, which is nice. We should probably check the source of all this traffic, but yeah, it, it, it comes down to a lot of good link bait, great SEO, because I think at one point F1 calendar was above F1.com and in Google for searching yeah. F1 times. Yeah. And I think our site like actually lists the, the dates of the, the races and the sessions in Google and F1 site doesn't. Um, so it's all marked up in the way that Google likes. So, Well, that takes me back to why we did it in the first place we were experimenting with like structured data microformats and all that sort of new ish tech at the time to kind of just transpose sports events into cool tech and the fact that we've done this with f1 calendar just means google loves it even more than the the authoritative domain yeah when i was like rebuilding it i was looking at all the microformat stuff i was like this is kind of crazy how much stuff there's in here like all the attributes that we've had to add yeah and then i like came to like rebuild it i'm like what do i include like all of this stuff is kind of outdated now um so landed on uh using the json d like format to like have a schema for events which i think is what google picks up now um rather than the micro format stuff mm. and that it takes us nicely into the maintenance of it all because it, it got quite messy, let's say. It was a very clunky PHP app, I think, originally. And then we kind of, you took it on and went, I'm going to replatform this baby into something more manageable. 
Yeah, I didn't have to <laughs> like edit the old one, so I didn't like go in there and change any of the times or anything. So I don't really know how much of a beast that was to work with. But yeah, I took it on, um, and as I said earlier, I don't haven't really done much web stuff um, since the old WordPress days, and since then React's come along and all of these frameworks. So picking out a good way of rebuilding it was a little bit tricky, but I'd seen quite a few people using Next.js. I'd had some success with it with a couple of like small projects. So I like uh, picked that up, uh, did a lot of reading over a Christmas break and kind of rebuilt like the bare bones of it. It didn't look very pretty. And with Next.js, you can also quickly host it and on Versal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Versal actually sponsor it as well, which is kind of a, a bonus. Um, so they came along and saw that we had actually open sourced it um, and offered to basically pay for the hosting, and they have done for the last, well, ever since I took it over, so what, tw- the start of 2020? Yeah, it's been about two or three years now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I picked a really good year to start working on it because that was the year that all the dates changed every, like, month or so. <laughs> Um, I mean, that's been one of the biggest pain points. I'm glad I made it easy for myself to change the dates by just storing them all in JSON. And uh, yeah, I can quickly go in there and go into GitHub, not even need an editor really, and just edit it there and then. But it also lends well to that open source approach that we kind of took it on to because it allows anyone to raise a request if they know how to. Yeah, yeah. The amount of times I've had like an issue get flashed like, oh, the practice time for this race is wrong by an hour or yeah. um like this session's on the wrong date but uh, like monaco there's the weird thing where they like don't do practice sessions on the or well, one of the days because there's like a holiday yeah. um and that always throws me off when i'm like putting the times in um that got flagged i think two years ago and i was like oh i didn't know that was a thing because as a viewer of f1 i never really needed to know it but sure. as a builder of F1 Canada, I kind of do. But so. again, like you say, we, we get quite a lot of um, comms through Twitter as well. We've got the F1 Cal Twitter account. And yeah. I, I think we both see these messages coming through saying, your time's wrong, your date's wrong. Yeah, you you definitely get communication from people when you leave qualifying wrong, um, which happened <laughs> once this year for the first time for me. Um, everybody's like writing in saying, oh, you made me miss qualifying. The fortunate thing was the time was an hour early, so nobody really missed it. But They were like, ready. You always have one of those one or two people that like make it seem like you've ruined their day. So I could have had another hour in bed. Yeah, like stuff like that. So yeah, so you're not gonna, you've not missed it, but yeah, yeah, we get it, right? Yeah, it could have been worse. It could have been at like after. Yeah, and I think it was great that you added fan based into the username of the Twitter account, so people realise this is not official. Leave us alone. Yeah, yeah, I think also that means that F1 can't come along and be like, yeah, you better get rid of this. So it's kind of a bit more protection. We see it as a marketing opportunity for them. You'd think, right? But I know. It's not that simple ever, especially when yeah. it comes to Formula 1. The best thing is, like, I run this site and I've still never been to an F1 race. I'm like, <laughs> have they not reached out and, like, said, oh, here's a ticket? That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Especially Monaco. I'm not saying no. <laughs> if you're listening f1 get yeah. in touch <laughs> yeah. um and as part of that migration of the code base and all the replatform what was the biggest win you got from it anything you learned from the whole process because i think it wasn't straightforward at times was it 
Yeah, I'm always hesitant about putting code out there and open sourcing it, and I know I shouldn't be, but like, I guess the the learning from it is like not being afraid to like throw your code out there, even if you know that it's terrible. Um, like the old uh, imposter syndrome kind of strikes, Ooh. and it's like, oh, I shouldn't <laughs> like people are just going to point their finger at the code and be like, yeah, this is terrible. Um, you've yeah, done it wrong. Yeah, yeah, you've done it wrong in this new thing that you've never used. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm expecting it, to be honest. No, I was just going to say, it's, it's great that you put yourself out there. And I know it's difficult because that imposter syndrome kicks in. But without doing it, you're not going to yeah. learn. And people yeah. realize this eventually. Yeah. And like all that stuff that I picked up with uh, F1 calendar, I then brought to like my other side projects and then our buffer homes page, like the marketing site is all Next.js as well. Oh, nice. It's an old version of Next.js. So now I'm like the one like, overseeing like upgrading that and like it's kind of go, goes full circle. Um, but so. that's a fantastic example of learning in your side projects to bring it back to your day job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all of my side projects always around like learning and picking something up. So that's where I ended up working on iOS projects. Originally, was just to learn more about iOS, not solely yep. focused around like retail in Birmingham. Um, like learning how to like um, one of my projects was called Magic Bean, and it was for Beanstalk, like the oh, old yeah, kit. I remember that SVN is still around, still going. But it would allow you to like deploy sites from your phone. And that was like my first foray into like dealing with another API, uh, a REST API, and yeah, handling all that. It's going right back. You're talking subversion, being. Yeah, I know. Oh, wow. You're taking me back now. <laughs> but you solved a personal problem, right? Yeah, exactly. So you're like, I want to be able to deploy an app from my phone. Yeah, and we used Beanstalk at 383, so it was kind of like a quick when one you're... that I could then share around the 383 team and free testers if you need help with your side project either for inspiration support or just general feedback remember to join our on the side community on slack there are a number of previous guests from the podcast in there including sam hardacre mike street dom hodgson and mark lismore pop on over to onthesidenetwork which will take you straight through to registration and i'll see you in there And with um, F1 Calendar, now Versal are hosting it, um, and it's all open source code bases, it's not been that straightforward at points, is it, because of the scale? Yeah, yeah. So at one point this year, I got an email from Versal basically asking us to stop using so much bandwidth. Um, yeah, and there was like a, a weird bug where the... PWA was like caching all of the calendars to like everybody's browser, which was like eating up bandwidth left, right, and center. Um, and we have Cloudflare in front of it, but even then it was mm. still like causing a crazy amount of bandwidth to be used. And basically, Versa was like, you've got to like solve this, otherwise, you've got to start paying. And it was going to be like a thousand dollars plus. And yep. um, like, we could do get support from people but um not to pay that amount monthly so no. um fortunately we solved it and i'm also currently working on some other stuff to like move the calendar files because that's the main bandwidth hog is the calendar files so like mm. cloudflare and cloudflare alone and so the generation is on cloudflare and the site is separate and so i can regenerate the calendar files at any point 
and the site separately. And it doesn't take 20 minutes for the site to deploy anymore. It will take like five minutes, if that. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it will bring the, the bandwidth down even more. And then we've got a few more years of versatile sponsorship available yep. to us. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And as a hobby site, hobby project, we don't really want to incur $1,000 worth of monthly hosting costs. Yeah, I'd rather not. Um, but, yeah. I mean, we do get quite a lot of support from coffees and things like that, but we need a lot more to pay for it. I was going to say, you've got the uh, buy me a coffee on there, haven't you? So you get occasional kickbacks. Yeah, yeah. And they come at odd times. Like, I think I had five coffees bought, like, two days ago, and it's not the F1 season, but, like, I'll take it. Um, of course. And then... We, towards the end of the season you tend to get more um so a couple of times i think we had there was two people that bought 17 coffees which is like 50 dollars um nice. these are like sf coffees um <laughs> more expensive than everywhere else not a Birmingham uh, coffee no um yeah so people uh support it they'll buy a couple of coffees a few people mm -hmm. will buy like a single coffee um, there's a link at the top and a link at the in the footer, and then depending on whether you're on desktop or mobile, like they're optimized. I think sure. people still get confused about like what's this like coffee cup. Um, so that might be something that I tweak for the like this year, I'll make it a bit more obvious on mobile. Um, maybe. maybe bring in some more coffees, but yeah, that's paid for things like Mailchimp and branching out to other like F2, F3, et cetera, um, paying for those domain names. Yeah, a couple of things there, actually. So you mentioned MailChimp yep. um, for the newsletter. So what's the deal with that and how do you manage that? Yeah, so it's all currently MailChimp and kind of, yeah, it's very manual right now. So like mm -hmm. every race week, I kind of remember on the Thursday that I need to write up this email. And I'll like manually write it out and look at F1 calendar, make sure that I've got UTC selected. Yeah, piece it together. And then I usually end up scheduling it like at 10 p.m. on the Thursday. Um, so then it goes out like an hour or two before the first practice session. Um, right. But this year I'm kind of hoping to move away from MailChimp and like have a self-hosted uh, like newsletter um, mm -hmm. system. There's one on GitHub called ListMonk. Um, and then you can hook that up to something like Postmark and that would then allow us to like manage it ourselves and not pay MailChimp. I think I've been paying like $50 per month, which mm -hmm. feels like a lot for what we're doing with it. How big is that mailing list? Uh, it's probably like 3000 or so, maybe just over that. Significant though, right? But when you're sending like maybe in one month we'd send like one email and then the yeah. next month we'd send three. It's kind of a bit all over the place. Um, so and if we can control it ourselves, and I can then look at, like, I could automate it with MailChimp probably, but um, if we're controlling it, it's a little bit easier to deal with. Totally. And it brings the cost down as well. And so. there's something else to learn with Postmark yeah. and all that sort of stuff, something different to play around with. Yeah, Postmark is a fun one because, again, it's like full circle. It's the same company that built Beanstalk. Wow. And Postmark, I actually built the original WordPress plugin. So it's like I'm just going back to my roots in a way um, using their API again. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I always forget about that one. And then somebody will email me saying, oh, do you want to make your WordPress plugin better? Because I'm still on the author notes. 
I think I had one of those this week and I'm like, which WordPress plugin? And I'm like, oh, I don't even work on that now. So, yeah. And going back to your open source roots again. Yeah, and subversion, unfortunately, because <laughs> I think the WordPress repository back then was still subversion. I don't know whether it is now, but... I try to think. I still get the emails when there's a, a a contribution to the plugin. I get an email. So any other plans we've got for F1 calendar this next season? I kind of really want to lean into building out all of the other calendars. Um, so last year we added F2, F3, FE, Extreme E, yeah. um, and then W Series, and there's a couple of others, um, like IndyCar as well. But they were kind of they were added, but they they kind of just got left, and mm. I never really as I don't really follow half of them. It's a little bit harder to make sure that all the dates and times are right. It's also tricky with the other ones because they don't release the calendar right. like as early or if at all. Like Extreme E will release the dates and times or the dates, but then the times are released like a week or two before the race. So it's very much, you'd have to sit there and make sure that you're like on it with updating the, the times. Or you could reach out to some fellow fellow fans and see if they can help with the date time yep. management. Well, so on GitHub right now, there's issues that with uh, help needed for all of the other racing series. Um, so anybody wants to jump in there and add them if they're available then go for it wicked we'll get that in the show notes yeah i think we have like five or six other domains and then yeah there's there's always requests for like moto gp and yep. like people will just add it to github or tweet it saying oh, i'd be great if there was a calendar for this um and it's really easy to add another site it's basically two config files um one with the calendar and then just the site config file that has the domain and yep. basically what that site supports, whether it supports email reminders. The only one of those that currently is F1. So it just shows and hides a button. Um, but yeah, it's really easy to basically spin up another one. And there's another call to arms. Any more ideas? I don't know, the, yeah. other, other sports or, you know, leagues that you want to spin up. It's quite easy with this code base, right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty flexible where you can tweak the sessions so obviously the sessions in like f1 like qualifying practice and the race itself mm -hmm. so if like one of the racing series is have like three practice sessions you can support that or if they only have one and then the race then it supports that as well mm -hmm. um it's a little bit harder when you're going down to the things like applying it to something completely different i think we played around with like setting up for football Ooh. um like it would be doable but like it's it's less so now, but back then it was more focused on like racing and yeah that format. Yeah, and I, I have thought about doing like a Tour de France sort of calendar because I know it's quite popular in the tech scene. So might be a chance to for me to get back into code because it's been a while since I've touched any JS and web stuff. Uh, like even now, I'm kind of itching to kind of rewrite parts of it as well, and Don't it's only been it. like a year or two. Um, <laughs> like it's all in JavaScript right now, but then I'm like looking at TypeScript. I'm like, mm -hmm. that's the way everybody's kind of going. So, and like I'm new to that, so it's a chance to maybe learn that, pick that up, yeah. tidy a few things up through the code base. So opportunity to develop yourself as well as a site. Yep. Yeah, Perfect. and then I can start bringing TypeScript to Buffer's marketing site and things like that. So you game changer, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
just just a few years too late probably but yeah everyone's got their own pace um it's not the only side project you got though is it you've got the alpen projects that you've got going on how's yeah. that going so where'd that come from alpen glow is a ios and android app um that basically gives you sunrise and sunset times and it also provides the forecast for whether a sunrise and sunset is going to be good or not it's going pretty well so it's all native on ios and then on the android side it uses flutter um which kind of makes it a little bit easier for an ios developer to build android app cool um although i have done native um android i did like a project for above and beyond a few years ago that was all native um above and beyond is a uh, like dj trio i always struggle explaining what they are <laughs> um i did that for like a festival that they did out here in the states sure yeah and then i'll going back to alpenglow originally it was kind of like a crowdsourced sunset alert like uh, app Mm-hmm. Kind of like UK snow, like that old thing yep. where it would try and get people to like rate whether a sunset's good or not and then use that to like alert other people. But it's the old chicken and egg problem that you need users to provide the alerts. And if mm-hmm. you don't have the alerts, then users don't bother downloading your app. Yeah. And then I came across this uh, site which actually had forecasts for sunrises and sunsets. And then they brought out an API. So it was like perfect. Um, We'll marry the two together, and yeah, since then it's been going pretty well. Um, like this past year, we had what well, I had uh, somebody on TikTok posted a video about the app in Spain, and it hit like two million views, which shot the graph up like an insane amount. So much so that I had to then call the provider of the forecast to get them to like increase my rate limit for the day because <laughs> it wasn't enough um but yeah um and then there's two different pay plans for that so there's a a tip-based unlock which gives you a few additional features and then there's a subscription that um gives you a little bit more and forecast notification so you can get a notification if it's predicted to be like above 50 percent right like in the like quality percentage yep and uh yeah that seems to be going well so Currently, we have uh, I have like one point five um, k in dollars uh, MRR um, from people subscribing to the, like the pro plan. Yep. And then overall, like on and off, every couple of months, it will like pay for the rent in the Bay Area, which it's fantastic. I'm not complaining about. Yeah. I mean, that's before tax, but um, yeah, it kind of ticks along, and I kind of want to dive back into it a bit more. That goes back to scratching a personal itch. You know, you were just curious about, you know, sunsets and sunrises, a good quality one, and how do I get an yeah, notification it, about it? And it ties, I think most, yeah, most of my stuff is tie into like a hobby as well. So like yeah. for me, photography, um, I've always been into like capturing sunsets. Um, F1, obviously, yep. watch F1. And then I, I've been known for having too many side projects like i have another app called shutter spots which has been long dormant on the app store uh, which is about photo locations and then um i'm trying to think what other ones there's like a a dog park app for like organizing play dates with your dog <laughs> i have dogs um, that was done with a couple of neighbors in the in san francisco when we were trying to organize like people to go to the dog park yep and like socialize your dog 
um yeah i have many projects that are kind of like dormant and there's like a trivia apple tv app and that one was kicked off just to like learn apple tv development um so they were like tied to either learning something or a hobby or both cool I mean, how many success stories do you want from a side project hustler? It's just you're continuous. I mean, Alphaglow is the one that's uh, the most successful. All the other ones are kind of like on pause, I guess. Apart from um, F1. I think once, yeah, apart from F1. Um, yeah, Alphaglow is very much like uh, because it's bringing in money and mm. like that's kind of taken my focus, I think. so. I mean, you mentioned quite a few things around your personal interests as well and you know photography dog walking how the hell do you find the time for that <laughs> um yeah i'm a bit of a codaholic i think so um yeah I, i've weirdly said that like coding sometimes feels like it's like me taking a break especially if it's like side project related mm-hmm. um but yeah aside from code i'm quite often on my xbox like recently been playing through like halo the new one another one um yeah yeah and then a buffer fortunately we've shifted over to like a four-day work week oh wow is this um so that was um, something uh i think we started doing it during the pandemic at the start right as just like a trying to make sure everybody doesn't feel like too like overwhelmed with everything going on sure um and then the experiment basically just turned into like a full-time thing so fridays i'm off so i can most of my fridays now are most, most of my fridays now are like working on side projects um because my fiance works monday to friday so mm. it's kind of a, a good day where i'm kind of free to do what i want i can crack on with some code and or i could do stuff around the house yeah. um like i've just picked up a 3d printer Ooh. I've got a CNC machine. I've got a laser engraver. Like, there's so many things I can be doing around the house, um, but, but they won't. tend to like get pushed onto Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, yeah. I definitely don't unwind as much as I probably should, but I think everybody has that problem. So, especially if they're doing a lot of side projects. Totally. But you mentioned at the start before I started recording. You know, you've got your Twitch streams open and the music side of things. Do you manage yeah. to enjoy it through that as well? Yeah, so like through, I guess, the pandemic, I kind of discovered there's other things on Twitch other than gaming. Yeah, um, There's a lot of DJs that stream, um, and there's DJs that will stream like a couple of hours. There's a few that will stream like eight hours, and I'll just have that. I have two monitors, one sat above my 49-inch ultra-wide, and that's the one that's like kind of dedicated to like a twitch stream and i'll have it up there and just listen to music throughout the day yeah definitely fortunate to have all those djs streaming on there because <laughs> i don't know what i would have done i probably would have listened to the same couple of albums on like apple music or something um but like the old uh, house mess podcast from our old days yep yep they're definitely definitely on my computer and they they get listened to every now and again glad so. to hear it <laughs> yeah so um, any tips for any aspiring engineers that just want to get into side projects? Anything you sort of suggest? Yeah, I guess finding something that you've 
maybe you've got a hobby or like an other interest that you could like um, take further mm. and like build something around that just so you're not going to get bored of it basically um, like if you are into like sunsets and you like for instance and you want to make sure that it's good when you're going to go for a cycle and take photos mm. then jump on something like that um, yeah and if you are thinking about taking it open source then it's not not the end of the world if you do like my code is on github but people can look at it but nobody's shot it down yet so um we didn't even touch on things like having as open source we have like 22 languages that have been provided to f1 now mm -hmm. which uh, previously that was all um all english but now we have people around the world that all contribute uh new languages um i think last year we had probably added five and then the year before that we added most of them yeah um which is kind of insane but like if it wasn't open source that wouldn't have happened so one of the benefit of open sourcing is that you've got people from all around the world who can contribute to this yeah. use that to your advantage and that's something i've also done in alpenglow as well like alpenglow is not open source but the localization project is available for anyone and so nice. i've just added i think I think that's also up to like 20 languages, nice. which is also a benefit to me because it means that more people in those countries are more likely to download it because mm. like the app description is also localized and they can figure out what it is. Two great pieces of advice then. So one, pick something you're passionate about. So you've got an invested interest and two, consider open source because it can yeah. certainly help you get things done. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Nice. Right. Um, how do people get hold of you? You know, where's the best place to find you and what sort of stuff to look at? Um, I guess my Twitter. Um, so my Twitter handle is AY8S. Nice and uh, short. Which trips a few people up. Yeah. Uh, I think I've got to say thanks to Anthony Williams for coming up with that. I was struggling when I was back at 383 to figure out what it should become because back then I was Andy 383. Of course, yeah. I was like branded and I, yeah, trying to figure out a short name. Yeah, my, I guess my website is andydev.co.uk. There's not much on there, to be honest, but there's a bunch of like side projects that are on hold um, <laughs> listed there. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And obviously f1calendar.com for finding out what the hell we're doing on that. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to contribute the other racing series, then there's plenty of them to add. So totally. um, I'm sure there's like a list of unknown ones that i don't know about that people are wanting to see so i always come across youtube streams of racing series like trucks and things that looks bonkers but i'm sure people want to find out when they those races are absolutely i think by the nature of them being a little bit geeky they will be able to jump into that code as well oh yeah it's easy enough it's beautiful i hope <laughs> nice one dude well, thanks for joining me, man. It's been great to have a chat about this and uh, hopefully the listeners have learned a few things about it as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, I'll let you get on with your day off. I didn't know that. I could have booked it later, <laughs> couldn't we? <laughs> no, that's why I booked it for now. That's Made all good. Easy. You've got the day clear now to do what you want. Yep, yep, with pretty much. Man. Well, have a good day, man. And uh, yeah, catch up soon. Huge thanks to Andy for joining us this week. I'm not sure about you, but he blows my mind and all the cool stuff he makes, even with his four-day week. 
As he mentioned, you can find him on Twitter as A Yates with a number eight. His website is andydev.co.uk. And to find out more about the F1 project, go to f1calendar.com. All the details will be in the show notes as well. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you like and review in your favorite podcast app. It helps us to know who's listening and lets others discover us. You can reach out to us on the Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as at MakeLifeWorkPod. You can email hello at MakeLifeWorkPodcast.com. We check every single email and find all the details and show notes and archives on our website. Until next time, I've been Cy Jobling and this is the Make Life Work Podcast. <laughs>